Thank you for listening to our podcast today here at Word of Life. Our prayer is that when you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. We want to make sure you know all about our new online campus. Visit thelifeonline.cc to find our brand new platform where you can find short messages on topics like prophecy, forgiveness, healing, and so much more. Each month, we release multiple new series for you to be able to grow in the knowledge of God and the Bible. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. We're in a new series on our Sunday mornings entitled Summer Reading. And these are just books that we're going over that I feel like everyone needs to read. The book for this week is a book called Fields of Gold by Andy Stanley. I read this book every year to prep my heart for giving. One of the things I do at the end of every year is determine next year how much I want to give to the Lord. And I like to write that figure down. I like to pray over it. And I like to believe God for it. And while I'm, I'm coming up with that figure, I read this book. You can read it in a couple of hours. It's real simple, but it's real balanced. And I know for many of you who have been in the body of Christ for a long time, you have seen major abuses probably with the subject of giving and receiving. This book uh, is the closest to a book I would write on this subject uh, of any book that I've read. And so instead of me writing it, we just said, well, we'll give it to you. And like <laughs> the kind of thing and tell you about it. Uh, and so today, if you take the 90 day Todd challenge, we'll actually give this book to you. Uh, you can drop off the card for the 90 day Todd challenge in the offering receptacles. Uh, when you exit or turn it into the tables, if you drop it off, we'll mail the book to you. If you go to the tables, you can get the book today. Uh, and uh, if you're new to the church, yes, today we're talking about tithing. Congratulations. Uh, <laughs> Of all the services, right? You could have come too. You came to this one. Uh, But feel no pressure. Uh, This is one of those things uh, that we do periodically throughout the year. We typically do not have tithes and offering segments. In fact, in the month of April, we did not have one. Uh, And this is not done uh, to get money from you or like any of that kind of stuff. Uh, Word of Life has had 15 years of growth um, in every way. Uh, And this year is no different. It's our best year ever financially. Uh, God's hand has been upon us in big ways. We're not, uh, you know, having lights turned off or like any of that kind of stuff uh, if you don't give. Uh, So I I don't talk about it a lot because I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. And I know especially with like non-denominational churches, there's this stigma that's out there in the world like all those churches want is your money. I always like to flip that on its head and surprise people by just not talking about it. (laughs) So so, uh, out of that, um, uh, that's kind of my heart with it. But... Uh, I also know that if I am going to raise you up as a true disciple of the Lord Jesus, there is no way to do that without talking about this subject. And there's no way to do that without linking your treasure to the kingdom of God. Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. I'm about to go on vacation to Gulf Shores kind of area. I could care less about the weather in Gulf Shores until I put money there. And then when I put money there, I'm checking the weather all the time. Uh, Because where your treasure is, your heart goes in that direction. And when you start giving to things, you start caring about those things. And when you give to the Lord, it helps take your heart in that area. It begins to eradicate selfishness from your life. It begins to open up your heart to seeing the kingdom of God. And these are all great things. But we understand that for so many of us, the reason why we don't give is not because we're selfish people. Uh, For most of us, the reason why we don't give is because we're afraid. Um, and that's why we came up with the nine day tithe challenge is because there was a time in my life where I did not tithe. And the reason why I did not tithe is I was afraid. 
Uh, when I was seven years old, uh, I can remember being seven vividly because of this one moment that happened in my life. Uh, it was after a Sunday morning service. We went to the neighborhood pool. Our pool had this little neighborhood. And we went there, and I went to the high dive. And this was like my third time ever on a high dive. And I'm up there, and like I'm looking. I can remember my sister being in the pool. And I'm up there kind of goofing around. You know, you're seven. That's what seven-year-olds do. Uh, and you're up there, and you're goofing around. That's why they need supervision, lifeguards and parents. Uh, and, and out of that, uh, I, I'm seeing my sister. And the next thing I remember, I was watching American Gladiators eating a popsicle. Uh, because apparently, I had slipped off the high dive and I had fallen and hit my head and I fell on the concrete um, and um, had a concussion like it was bad had to be taken to the hospital but I genuinely don't remember any of that I do remember American Gladiators and can we just say right now can we bring that back like I want American Gladiators to come back to network television if we can bring back literally every other show and recreate these ideas, surely we can get some really strong people up against really strong people and run them through an obstacle course. I'm just saying. Uh, it must come back. Uh, so, so, uh, but I just remember this moment vividly. So out of that, it marked me. And now I have like uh, a fear that is being conquered of heights. So like if a light goes out in the house, I like look at my wife and I'm like, are you going to change that or do I need to call somebody? Uh, because like going up and down the ladder, it's just not optional. Um, so out of that, uh, when I was an older teenager, I found myself on this field trip where you're going to like a high ropes course. I don't know if you've ever done this. Anybody at any of our campuses ever done like a high ropes course? Yes. Um, for me, I did one, but not willingly um, because of my fear of heights. And so like I'm watching everyone kind of like climb up this thing and get to the stations. And at each station, you'd be up there and then like the older kids would go up first and they would be the people kind of manning the station and they would link your harness up to the next kind of station. Then you get there, they'd unhook you on the platform and then hook you up to the next one. And I'm watching all this play out and I'm like, none of this is safe. Like, who who thought this would be a good idea? Uh, And I'm watching everyone compete and I'm kind of watching everybody going up and people think I'm being like, oh, he's so sweet and he's a gentleman because he keeps letting everybody else go. Uh, Not sweet, petrified. Uh, So out of this, I'm watching everyone kind of go up and uh, clearly the person who's like running this is watching this all kind of play out and he's like you don't want to go and I'm like no and he's like why and so I tell him what I just told you and he's like well it's fine it's safe we we haven't had uh, people fall and uh you know all those types of things and like you can you know each harness gets checked by each person who's up there I'm like that's the problem I'm like I was just on the bus with all the people that you were up there Uh, put up there to check my harness. I'm like, they couldn't follow rules for like 30 minutes on a bus. Why in the world am I going to put my life in their hands? And he laughs and he's like, okay, I'll I'll ask you this. What if I hook you up now and then you climb up and go to that station and then I climb up after you and then I hook you up and then you complete it and then I'll come back and, you know, follow you and then we'll complete it and I'll hook you up each time because you might not be able to trust them, but you can trust me. And so we, we have this talk, and I agree to do it. And to this day, I remember this as like just one big, great adventure with this guy in my life who's hooking me up, testing this out, making sure it's solid, making sure it's safe, and sending me to the next step. And, you know, when it comes to tithing, 
I always operated on a very low course growing up. I'm the son of a pastor. Um, and so Malachi chapter 3, they'll put it up on the screens now. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 was something we talked about all the time. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. And God says, here's why, that there may be meat in my house. And I always got that principle uh, because growing up the son of a pastor, like you see how much it takes to put on church. And if you've ever been, worked for a church, like you get all it takes to put this on, like how expensive microphones are, like we just had an AC unit go out in one of our rooms here at Lakeland, and it's like $16,000 to replace a unit, like crazy, right? Inflation, hello. Uh, so, uh, you know, all these types of things, and like free t-shirts, and coffee, and you know, you know, all the outreach programs that are on, and all the counseling services that are offered. So like, I got it. Uh, that there may be meat in the house. And I would just say this in regards to this, is I think a lot of people, when they're looking at like what their tithe amount would be, and for those of you who may be new to church, the principle of tithing is taking the first 10% of all increase that comes into your life and giving it to the kingdom of God. Crazy, right? Uh, so like out of that, let me tell you just how crazy fun it actually is. So anyway, uh, I, I, I saw this growing up, and I think whenever we're taking that 10%, for so many of us, it looks so small that we come back with like the five loaves, two fish mentality that the disciples had. And it's like, well, what is this among what the church is doing? I mean, $67 or $82 or $127, what is that among like what the church is doing? And the point of the five loaves and two fish is when everyone takes their five loaves and two fish and puts it in Jesus' hands, it feeds the whole multitude. And so God says, here's why I want you to tithe, that there may be meat in my house. Uh, If every church acted like our church, what kind of church would God have? Uh, And this is one of the, the questions I'll ask pastors a lot when they come and like ask like, well, how are you able to like see growth for 15 years? I'm like, well, if every church acted like you, what kind of church would God have? Like, how much do you give towards missions? How often do you take missions trips? What's your outreach programs look like? What are you giving to downtown places? Like, what are you doing? Um, because like, I, I really sense of like God just kind of saying, like, trust me in this process because my kingdom needs it. And people say, well, God doesn't need anything. It's true. God doesn't need anything, but his kingdom needs a lot. Uh, and so out of that, like, I, I always kind of knew this principle of like, why tithe? Well, because God wants his house well taken care of. He wants churches and missionaries and, and ministries to be well taken care of to expand his kingdom. So I got that. Uh, But as a kid, I'm operating on a very low rope scores. It's like, if I fall, it's okay, steak fingers are in the fridge. Like, it's like, you know, uh, anybody remember steak fingers? What happened to that too, right? Uh, Like, I remember growing up, it's like, what's for dinner? It's steak fingers. I'm like, what is a steak finger? Now that I'm older, I'm like, that's clearly not steak. Like, you cannot market that as a steak finger. Like, I have had steak. Uh, I don't know what that is, not steak. But anyway, like, just very well taken care of like needs met and you know there's always food and you had this security and safety of tithing when you're a kid because you got parents there and that kind of thing and no problem doing it like I got it uh, God wants his house well taken care of but then when I became uh, 17 and my father passed away and I started working at a coffee shop in Tulsa, Oklahoma, making a quarter above minimum wage, I'd go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and they passed the buckets, and with every time the buckets passed, my shame deepened. I would like fake like putting something in. Uh, have you, you anybody else remember doing that? It's like, ah, God bless you with this quarter. Um, you know, that, that, that kind of thing. Uh, 
and because, you know, you, you feel kind of the shame as the thing we kind of pass down the road, like I should be putting something in. Uh, and I always determined that when I became a pastor, I would like to create a church that I like to attend. And in no shape, form, or fashion do we ever do anything to put shame on you or to grow your shame. Um, we're looking to grow your faith. We're looking to grow your love. We're looking to grow your devotion to the Lord. But we will not use shame to accomplish that method because God is not a shame on you, God. God is a shame off you, God. Um, and that type of thing. And so, like, I'm feeling like this shame of, like, I should be doing something. And, like, at the same time, I'm telling God, like, I can't afford to. And I, I had this constant wrestle. I'm like, God, you see my bills. Like, literally, you see I'm not being selfish either. Like, I'm, I'm waiting to go to the grocery store for, for when Totino's pizzas go on sale, where I can buy a bunch of them all at one time. And, of course, when you're 17, that's what you want to eat anyway. So it's fine. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. So, like, I'm, I'm waiting for these types of things because I genuinely cannot afford to do this. And so for months, literally months, I did not tithe, not because I didn't love my church. I did. I volunteered in it. And not because I didn't love uh, God. I did. I was at church, would worship. I loved God. I wasn't being selfish. I just genuinely was afraid. And this is why God, throughout Scripture, comes to us. And anytime he talks about giving, he does not just talk about giving and sacrifice. He talks about receiving. That this is not just me trying to get something from you. Uh, this is me asking you to trust me. Like, I want to take you on this great adventure, and I get you don't want to be in all these other people's hands, so what if I go with you, and with each step along the way, I link you up, I walk beside you, I carry you to the next step, and you can see me move. And so out of this, I felt like this, like, um, immediate, I remember a Sunday night, it was a Sunday night service, and I just saw Malachi chapter 3 when, during the offering segment, uh, and, you know, because it comes up a lot during offering segments, and, like, it just dawned on me of what he was saying, test me in this, prove me in this. And I made a decision at that moment, I'm like, God, from here on out, everything I ever make uh, personally, from, from, you know, a tithe, I will give you the first 10%. And I can remember with fear and trembling, you ever watered your seed before? Uh, like with your tears, because like, it's, it's so precious. It's like, I'm not watering with my faith. Like I'm crying, like I'm holding on to Benjamin so tight. He's crying. Uh, and you know, these types of things like, so, but I, I did it. Uh, and I took that step of faith and I've never looked back and here's amen. And so here's one of the things uh, that I saw it do in my life is, is one, it always repositions my heart. Uh, but then two, I also have seen that it expands God's kingdom. Um, and I see the beauty of what God does. Now, it's funny because, you know, I had a lot of notes with this, but I just had this story kind of come up in my heart during praise and worship. So let's just go and look at it. They don't have screens for this one because uh, it wasn't in my notes. Uh, but let's go look at it together in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 12, We'll read verse 1, and there was this uh, wonderful man of faith uh, called Abraham. And Abraham is in this moment where God just chooses to meet with them. And, like, this is what, I, I pray this a lot for people who, like, I know they need help. <laughs> Have you ever met anyone that's like, they need help? Uh, and so, like, when I come across people who need help, I'm like, God, could you intervene in their life like you did 
in the life of Abraham? Could you intervene in their life like you did in the life of, of Saul and change him into a Paul? But God appears to this man by the name of Abraham, and he tells him this in Abraham, uh, in Abraham 12, in Genesis 12 and verse number 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relative and relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. So here's, you see, the giving part. I want you to give this up for me. And here's the receiving part. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in you will all the families of the earth be blessed. God is very big into family. Um, And so he's telling Abraham, I want to start something new in your life. But in order for me to start something new in your life, I'm going to have to get you out of your comfort zone, and I'm going to have to get you away from familiar people, familiar places, familiar territory, familiar customs, and I'm asking you to walk away from those things. I was talking with my brother-in-law this past week. Uh, Him and my sister are moving up to plant a church in Portland, Oregon, and we were talking about how like, they're taking a step of faith like this. And this is what tithing actually is. It's like this massive test of faith. It's like, I trust God. And God's like, do you really? Uh, (laughs) Test me in this. Uh, Now, he says. Uh, And so we all kind of have these moments where God will ask us to take these big steps of faith. And of course, whenever you have that, the barrier between you and a miracle is always fear. The barrier between you and a miracle, it is always fear. On the other side of, of, of fear, it's almost always destiny. When I look at some of the major things that God had in my life that like just opened things up uh, for me, whether it was going to multiple services or building this building all the way out in Lakeland or starting Fondren Church or starting uh, campuses with Highland Colony or any, any of these types of things, I always sense fear. And whenever I sense fear, I get excited because I know most of the time on the other side of fear is destiny. Uh, but most, for most of, of humanity, when they come across this fear barrier, and the reason why Abraham's story is in Scripture and other people's are not, it's not because God loved Abraham more than them. It's because he actually broke the barrier. Uh, because in all of our lives, God is not a respecter of persons. He will come to us with this. He will come to us with, with something to let go of. A place, a people, money, whatever. He will come to us with something to let go of. And Abraham hears this, it's clear in his heart, he knows what he's supposed to do, and so he obeys kind of. (laughs) And have you ever obeyed kind of? It's like, I'll sort of do this. Uh, I can remember like in that moment when I wasn't tithing, it's like, I'll tip. How about a tip, Lord? Uh, And then like, maybe like 2%. Uh, Like that kind of thing. It's like, ah. Um, And so like you're kind of obeying kind of uh, in those types of things. And he kind of obeys, he leaves everything, but watch what happens here in Genesis chapter 12, and says this in verse number four, so Abraham went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Uh, Now go back up to verse number one, now the Lord said to Abraham, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house. Verse 4, so Abraham went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. (laughs) Uh, How many of you know sometimes you have a lot in life? Um, And it's like, you're still here? Uh, Something that the Lord has asked you to let go of, 
that you have found still in your life. It could be a person, it could be a friend, uh, it could be a place, it could be a habit, it could be uh, something in your life that you know needs to be addressed, and you sense the Lord calling you away from those things, but as you leave those things, those things try to stay connected to you. Now here's what you're going to see in Abraham's life, and as you continue to read his story, God blesses him as much as he can, and he takes him over into these places, and God starts seeing like all these fun things kind of come from his hand over into Abraham's life, and Abraham's walking in it, and he's enjoying it, and life gets good. But in Genesis chapter 13, watch what happens here uh, with Abraham and Lot. And so in verse number one, and Abraham went up from Egypt uh, to the Negev, him and his wife and all that belonged to him, and once again, the Bible is pretty clear, (laughs) like Lot is still here, Uh, and Lot went with him, and Abraham was very rich in livestock, silver and gold. Now, notice this, and this is a little controversial, but I'll say it anyway, because you see it right here in Scripture. God doesn't care how much money you have. He cares how much money has you. Uh, So money, at the end of the day, is a magnifier. If you're a bad person and you get money, you'll be worse. (laughs) If you're a stingy person and you get money, you'll be more stingy. Money is a magnifier. Money is a revealer of character. God does not care how much money you have. He cares how much money has you. God doesn't care if you're very prosperous. Abraham was establishing his covenant, was a man after God's own heart, um, and was also a man who was blessed by God. It's okay to be blessed by God. You don't have to be ashamed of God's blessing in your life. It is okay to be blessed by God. But what God will always confront is that blessing, that if we're holding on to these things uh, or if we're letting go of them, if we live poor of spirit. And somebody says, well, what does poor of spirit mean? Poor of spirit just simply means in my heart, I possess nothing. Um, that in my life, I may have all these things in my life, but they're not mine. Uh, if I have a watch, it's not my watch, it's his watch. I'll give it to whoever he wants me to give it to. If I have a shirt, uh, which by the way, uh, this shirt this morning, when I put it on, I walk out with my wife because every outfit must be approved by my wife. And so I walk out uh, with my wife. I'm like, does it work? Uh, and the reason why it must be approved is my wife claims I'm colorblind. Uh, the carpet is perfectly blue to me. Like, and I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, is it blue? I genuinely don't know. Uh, and a little insecure right now. And so out of that, uh, like, I have to check it with my wife uh, to see, like, uh, does this work? And, and so I walk out, I'm like, does this work? And she's like, it looks like the circus. Uh, I'm like... <laughs> I'm changing. She's like, no, like in a good way. It's like fun and like that kind of thing. I'm like, this is not helping my confidence at all before I'm about to stand before a lot of people. She's like, no, it's fine. It's good. And I start walking away and she's like, dun, 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 dun. I'm like, stop it. You're getting in my head. Uh, so, so anyway, uh, this shirt, um, if I'm poor of spirit, it's okay to have a shirt. It's okay for a shirt to be nice. It's, it's not okay for me to not let it go. When I'm blessed are the poor of spirit, it's not mine. Um, it's, it's, it's not mine, it's his. This church, it's not mine, it's his. The church's money, it's not my money, it's his money. Uh, my money is not my money, it's his money. I'm a steward of everything and an owner of nothing. Um, and so God doesn't care if you come to these places where you're blessed so long as you know, like, it doesn't have you. And so watch Abraham here, and you're, you'll see his heart and why God was able to bless him so much. So he's very rich, in verse 2, in livestock, silver, and gold, verse 3. 
And he went on his journey from Negev as far as to Bethel, and we'll come back to that in a minute, to the place where his tent uh, had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, uh, to the place of the altar which he had made there formerly. So he builds an altar there at Bethel, a place of sacrifice there at Bethel. What is Bethel? What does that, some of you may be familiar with the term Bethel. It just se- simply means a meeting place with God. And so it's like, where am I going to meet God? At my place of sacrifice. That's where I'll meet God. Is at my place of sacrifice. So he builds an altar there, and it's called Bethel. Uh, now verse 5, now Lot, who went with Abraham, you see the Bible like uh, really emphasizing this, also had flocks and herds and tents. And the land could not sustain them while they were dwelling together, for the possessions were so great that they were not able to remain together. And there was a strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. Now the Canaanite and the Perizzite were dwelling in the land, so Abraham said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me. You see his heart, between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are brothers. Let there be no strife between us. It's not the whole land before you. Please separate from me. If if you go to the left, then I will go to the right. If you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes, saw the best land. Uh, So you see, this has him. He wants it in his heart. He's like the spirit of possessor. He's going to take it. So Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the valley of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. That was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go to Zoar. So Lot chose for himself, you see the selfish nature there, all the valley of Jordan. And Lot journeyed eastward, and thus they were separated from each other. And Abraham settled in the, lot, uh, in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled in the cities of the valley. Now watch verse 13. Now the men of Sodom were very wicked and exceedingly sinners before the Lord. Verse 14. The Lord said to Abraham, and you can underline this if you're an underliner. You can highlight this if you want to highlight. If you're on your Bible app, you can kind of highlight this. Now the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him. He starts out, Abraham, I want to bless you. I want to make your name great. And you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Abraham, I want to move in your life. I want to give you this. But before you receive it, I need you to give something. I need you to come to a place of sacrifice, and I need you to leave some of these things that are holding you back. I need you to leave some of these people. I need you to leave some of these places, some of these customs. And Abraham partially obeyed, and God blessed him as much as he could. And so he comes to this place where Lot is still in his life, and as long as Lot was in his life, there was a contention there. There was just something there in the flesh that was being irritated, something there in the flesh that was not right, something there in the flesh that was like the source of conflict. And Abraham comes to this place where he's like, look, I don't own any of this. I'll give you the best. I just can't have this still in my life. There is contention here. There are all these things that strife's developing. He's like, this is not healthy for me. It's not healthy for you. Depart from me. And as soon as Lot was departed from him, God begins to speak. You've heard me say this if you come to the church. If you keep coming in the church, you're going to hear me say it as long as I'm pastoring the church. But my father told me this years ago, he said, Joel, it's the lots in life that keep us from the big things of God. I've never forgotten that. It's the lots in life that keep us from the big things of God. It's these things that our lives still hold on to that God is asking us to sacrifice. 
It's these places God is asking us to give to him that we're still holding on to. These relationships God is asking us to give to him that we're still holding on to. The money God is asking us to give it to him, but we're still holding on to it. It's these things in our life that God is asking us to give, but for some reason it's still in our lives, but our lives are not getting better. They're getting filled with more strife. There's just more irritation of the flesh. There's more things that's not working out. It's like we're blessed, but we can't even enjoy the blessing. It's all these wine. Lot is still there. And when Lot is separated from Abraham, watch what God does in verse number 14. Uh, The Lord said to Abraham after Lot separated him, Uh, from him. Now, now lift up your eyes. Look from the place where you are. That's what I'm talking about tonight. Uh, Look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward. For all the land which you see, I will give it to you and your descendants forever. Now, now lift up your eyes after Lot is separated from you and you will see a land that I'm going to bring you into. You will see things I'm going to bless you with. And in all of our lives, um, we have these moments. What's fascinating is God's this God of families. Years later, you see this young kid by the name of Jacob. Uh, He's the grandson of Abraham. And he's he's lived a rough life. He's kind of been a deceiver. And he's at this place where he's, um, you know, kind of struggling, and he falls asleep on a rock. Like you can read about this in Genesis 28. I'm like, get a pillow, man. (laughs) But he falls asleep on a rock. And in the dream, he sees Jesus and sees a a ladder appearing and angels ascending and descending. And the Lord's showing him, you you have so much more help than you know. Some of you are so stressed out and God's like, you have so much more help than you know. We don't even see it. But Jacob uh, has this moment where he falls asleep and in the dream he sees angels ascending and descending and God tells him, he said, I made a promise to your granddaddy to take you into this land. He said, I'm going to be faithful to that promise and I'm going to help you. And there's angelic assistance here to help you. And you don't have to be afraid or wonder how you're going to do it. I'm going to help you and I'm going to bless you because this is not just a promise that I made to you. This is a promise that I made to generations before you. This is your land. This is your territory. Don't you run from it. Don't you cut tail from it. You come right here and you plant a work here. And out of that, he wakes up in the dream and he takes the stone he was sleeping on and he anoints it with oil. And he makes a vow and he says, this place had been renamed Luz, but now I call it Bethel, a meeting place with God. And he said, from here on out, God, I'll give you 10% of all the income that comes my way. And you see God, like, take his life. He gives him a dream. God gives him a dream and shows him how to increase. God can give you vision. And it overrode all the hardship of man. It overrode all the systems of man. He gives him this dream, and God blesses him. And in the dream, he says, and let me tell you why. He said, I'm the God of Bethel. I'm the God of the stone you anointed. I'm the God of, 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 of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I have seen your sacrifice. And I want you to know, I am honoring your commitment to give to me. You do not have to be afraid. I am going to go with you, and I have revealed myself. I'm the God of that decision to let go of Lot. I'm the God of sacrifice. I'm the God of Bethel, the place, the altar of sacrifice. 
And so I, I feel this so strongly in my heart today that for so many of us, uh, like, it, it may be about tithing, of, like, coming back to this place of, like, my, my, my face is set like flint, and I will, I will like, like Jacob, I will give to the Lord. I will get lot out of my house and, and these types of things. And I, I'm so excited as you step out of the boat and begin walking on the, the Word of God. Uh, and somebody says, well, how do I know I won't sink? Like, the boat is so safe. It's like, is it? But when you step out and walk on nothing but God's word, you see miracles. But I, I sense for others of you, like there's this, this commitment that needs to be made in your heart of like, I, I will let go of this and I will not let go of this. Like there's some things in my life the enemy has been tempting me to let go of. I will not let go of those things. And there are other things in my life that I know God is asking me to let go of. I will let go of those things because I know God is trying to do something for families that out of me there is a decision that I will make that will impact legacies and families families that come after me and out of this to take those bold stands of faith because as long as lot is in your life it is keeping you from the big things of God let's make a decision to let go of lot and let's make a decision to cling to God's promises amen 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 amen